Okay, so tonight we're continuing in on our series on spiritual warfare, which we have called Still Standing. And tonight we are going to look at a book in the Old Testament, and that is the book of Job. Who loves Job? Yeah, yeah. good old Job. So uh, we know that Job was not an Israelite. We don't know who wrote the book of Job. We have no idea what time period Job was written in. But all that seems to be quite intentional. So there are some things that we do know about Job and that Job does give us. And that are some wonderful insights into spiritual warfare, some weapons that we have that Job used, and something that really intrigued me about the book of Job is we have this almost behind-the-scenes look on spiritual warfare, which we find in Job 1, which we'll get to soon. Now, before we get into that behind-the-scenes look at spiritual warfare and look at some of those spiritual weapons that Job used, we need to know a couple of things about the one who wages war against us. Firstly, Satan in Hebrew is Satan. Who can say Satan? Satan. Very good. It literally means accuser or prosecutor. Revelation chapter 12 verse 1 says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Amen. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Satan is a loud mouth accuser, constantly pointing the finger and constantly making accusations about us. The second thing, ooh, the second thing we need to know about Satan, the one who wages war against us, is that he is a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44, which I heard Pastor Sheridan mention this morning. Uh, then the Lord said, Nope, I'm too far. Here we are. No, that's not John chapter 8. This is John chapter 8. So close. That wasn't Job, that one. Getting ahead of myself. Anyway, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Those are good things to know, because the one who accuses you is a liar. So we don't have to listen to him. What we did need to know is truth. The truth about what God says about us. So we're going to get into this behind the scenes look at spiritual warfare from chapter one. Uh, and to set the scene, imagine you're in heaven. God's there. The angels are all there. And they're having some sort of staff meeting. Now I know, I don't know what they talk about when they have a staff meeting in heaven. They're like shaking their heads going, what are we going to do about Kayla? <laughs> No, just kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so they're having some sort of staff meeting, uh, and Satan is there as well. And God and Satan have a conversation, and they start talking about Job. Job chapter 1, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on the earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. 
but reach out your hand, take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Firstly, in our story of the staff meeting up in heaven, we have Satan, and what is Satan doing? He is making accusations and telling stories. He says the only reason that Job fears God is because God has put a wall of protection around him. He has blessed him in everything he does. Now, where else do we see Satan making accusations and telling lies? There you go. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. Now, when we're talking about the serpent, we're talking about Satan. Uh, one day, he asked the woman, this is Satan, asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Here comes Satan. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now we see here Satan's making accusations about God. Did God really say? And God knows your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Those accusations and lies sounded like truth to Eve and she acted on them and she ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right, so picking back up on our story now in Job, Job, uh, sorry, God gives Satan permission to strike everything Job has, but he isn't allowed to take Job's life. Now, Satan has a purpose in striking everything that Job has. Now, what do I mean by Satan's purpose? Think about Activate, for example. What's our purpose? What's activating, uh, whenever, wherever, being like Jesus. No, hang on, where are we? Activating community transformation by wherever, whenever, being like Jesus. Yeah. It's literally written in front of me and I still got it wrong. (laughs) So that's our purpose. That is why we exist. Now we find Satan's purpose in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Consider Job. God has just given Satan permission to strike everything that Job has. In the course of one day, Job receives four messages, each message bearing separate news that his livestock, his servants, and ten of his children have been killed by marauding um marauding invaders or natural catastrophes. Satan's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's exactly what he did in Job's life, and that is exactly what he continues to do in our lives. His purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will use whatever he can to do that. Our finances, our health, our relationship, our brokenness, our sin, just to name a few. Satan does not wants you to have a close relationship with God, where you understand who you are in God, where you understand that God has plans and purposes for you, and where you understand the second part of John 10.10, which says that I, who is Jesus, came that you may have life and have it in abundance. If Satan can keep us distracted, worrying about life, or if he can cause us to believe those accusations and lives, lies, sorry, 
then we won't live the full and satisfying life that Jesus has for us. Like I said earlier, shame and condemnation and the worries and distractions of this world will cause us to shrink back from God and cause us to shrink back from what he has planned and purpose for our lives. So, why does Satan want us to live in shame and condemnation and worry and distraction? Now, I said before that Satan's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. If that is Satan's purpose, why is he trying to do that? If it's his purpose to kill, steal, and destroy, it's because his mission his mission is to turn the hearts of men and women away from God. Consider Job again. What does Satan say to God about Job? You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out your hand, take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Reach out your hand, take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan's mission in destroying everything that Job had, all of Job's possessions, taking away his children, his livestock, and his servants, was to cause Job to curse God to his face. Satan wanted to turn Job away from God. Again, where do we see that happening? Where do we see Satan doing that? Garden of Eden. When the liars and the accusations worked on Adam and Eve, he caused the relationship between not just Adam and Eve, but all of mankind, that's you and me, to be fractured and broken. For that relationship to be broken down. Thank God for Jesus, amen? Yeah, repairs all those broken things. All right, so before we get into Job's weapons, let's do a little bit of a recap of that behind-the-scenes look at spiritual warfare. Firstly, Satan the accuser, the father of lies, is very real and waging war against God's people. What he did to Job, he does to all disciples of Jesus Christ, who love Jesus and are walking out the plans and the purposes he has for them. Secondly, Satan comes only only to kill, steal, and destroy. In Job's life, that was very literal as he killed his servants, his flocks, and his children. <coughs> Excuse me. The enemy comes to kill and destroy and steal in our lives also. Uh, we need to not only be aware that we have an enemy, but that we are in a spiritual battle. And lastly, this behind-the-scenes look at spiritual warfare from the book of Job tells us why Satan kills, steals, and destroys. He wanted to turn the heart of Job away from God. He did the same thing in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and he does the same thing or tries to, this, to do the same thing with me and with you and with every other single person. All right, so we're going to move on to Job's wes- weapons. Wesons. Job's weapons now, or some lessons we can learn from Job. Uh, and what did Job, 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 <laughs> mate, I practiced this so many times that, and I got Job, and then Job, Job. Ah, oh, so close. Anyway, <clears throat> what did Job? No, what did Job do in response to being attacked by Satan? So, if we are aware of Satan's plans and purposes, which are real and powerful, what can we do about it? Well, let's look at Job again. The Book of Job does not tell us why Job had to suffer the way he did. Job was a righteous, upright man who feared God and did not deserve to suffer the way he did. Now, when terrible things happen in our lives, like they did in Job's lives, we tend to ask the big why questions. 
You know, why did Job have to lose that loved one? Why did Job's health have to suffer? Why did Job have to um, financially struggle? I bet you that all questions we've asked ourselves as we have ventured through difficult times. Why did, uh, what have I done to deserve what is happening to me? Why are my finances in disarray? Why did I have to lose that loved one? And why is my health deteriorating? Now, I'll just pause on that because there may be some very natural and practical reasons for those questions. So if you're wondering why your health is deteriorating, but you sit on the couch eating chips all day, that's actually a wisdom issue, not a spiritual attack issue. Right, it's no judgment here, just an observation. <laughs> but uh, that's, a, that's a different sermon for another day. <laughs> so the book of Job has this large section where Job and Job's friends ask some of those why questions. Now, Job's friends had a very uh, narrow view on the world. So basically, they believe that if you are a good person, then good things will happen to you. Therefore, since Job is in this situation where bad things are happening to him, Job must have sinned. Now, Job refuted that and said, no, I have never, ever sinned. Now, it's a fascinating dialogue to look at, but we just don't have the time today because it's like, 28 chapters of this back and forward and back and forward and back and forward and back and forward uh, where they discuss these why questions. And you know what? We never discover why Job had to suffer the way we did, the way he did. Here is what Job did discover though, and this is important. When bad things happen in our lives, we want an explanation so we can fix the problem. God often doesn't give us an explanation, but rather gives us an invitation to trust him, to trust in his faithfulness, and to trust in his wisdom. Job discovered that he did not have to understand what was happening to him to trust God in it. We won't always understand our circumstances, circumstances, but we need to trust God in those circumstances. Now, Job didn't understand his circumstances, but he chose to trust God anyway. And at the end of the book, Job realized that his, uh, his want to fully understand God and to have those why questions answered were futile. And he actually repented in Job chapter 42 and chapter 6. So why is that important to our story today? Remember we said that Satan's mission was to turn Job away from God. What was Job's very first reaction to hearing he had lost everything? Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Learning to trust God despite our circumstances, even the circumstances we've brought upon ourselves, enables us to stand and fight. So trusting God and knowing he is good through every season, good and bad, is the first weapon or lesson we can learn from Job. Now, what other weapons can we learn from Job? How about this? Praise, worship, prayer. Now, we see Job's very first reaction to hearing he had lost everything was to praise God. Now, uh, I remember a few years ago, I was an intern at a church, uh, and our associate pastor's 20-year-old daughter became very sick. So they took her to hospital. Uh, she had a bunch of tests done and a bunch of scans done, and they discovered she had some lesions on her brain. 
The surgeons decided the best thing they could do was to operate and to remove these lesions. Unfortunately, she never woke up from surgery. She slipped into a coma and passed away. Our senior pastors of that church at the time went over to be with our associate pastors in the last moments of her life. Unfortunately, they didn't make it in time. In moments before our senior pastors arrived, this beautiful 20-year-old daughter passed away. And when the senior pastors walked into the room where this girl had just passed away, they found the associate pastors and their family singing and worshipping God. Amazing, eh? They had no answer for this terrible thing that had just happened to them, but they chose to trust God in it anyway. And when they could have been angry and resentful, they chose to worship and praise their God. Worship and praise are powerful weapons in our circumstances. And the second weapon or lesson we can learn from Job. The third very powerful weapon we can see from Job is prayer. Now, Job's prayers were not well-crafted masterpieces. Uh, If you read through Job, some of them are just crazy. But here's an example. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant my desire. I wish he would crush me. I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. I know, right? It's pretty dark. (laughs) So the point here is not that Job had beautiful, well-crafted prayers, but rather in the midst of pain and circumstances, he was still praying. He was literally bringing everything to God, no matter how crazy or how broken it seemed. Satan tried to get Job to curse God, to turn his back on God. But Job chose instead to pray. He chose instead to fix his eyes on God through it all, no matter what. Now, what an incredible lesson we can learn from Job. Spiritual warfare requires that we stay connected to God. Now, we don't have to have beautiful, theologically correct prayers. We just need to pray. If your prayers come from, uh, coming from a place of brokenness and confusion, that's okay. Keep praying. God can handle it. Job's a good guy, eh? Yeah. He's what? He's metal. I don't know what that means. You. You youngins today. <laughs> All right. So Job's metal, point number one. No, just kidding. Hey, we're going to finish soon, but I just want to really recap what we've talked about tonight. Uh, Firstly, we know that we have our enemy and that he wages war against us. That enemy is a liar and an accuser. That knowledge in itself is a weapon because it actually helps us to discern some of those thoughts and feelings we have. We can ask ourselves, knowing that he is a liar, knowing he's accusing us, Is that truth? Is that what God would say about me? If it's not loving, then it's not truth. It allows us to journey through the seasons and circumstances we find ourselves in, both good and bad. If the enemy is coming against you, or if life is just incredibly tough, don't ask the why questions unless, unless God is challenging you to change something. Instead, Choose to trust that invitation that God gives us to trust Him, to trust His faithfulness, and to trust His wisdom. Also, stand up in truth. 
We know God's a liar, but I know I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed. Jesus loves me unconditionally. Jesus came that I may have life and have it in, abundantly, in abundance. Secondly, use the weapons. Did something funny happen? Yeah, I was like, why is everyone backing away? <laughs> Waiting for the lightning to strike. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We can take edit that out. <laughs> uh, we know that Satan is a liar. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, secondly, we can use the weapons Job used. Praise and worship and prayer. The accuser, his whole mission is to turn our hearts away from God. That is what he's trying to do when he accuses you, when he tells lies about you, when he tells you how worthless you are. We can choose instead to stand on the truth that God loves us unconditionally. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that while we were still God's enemies, Christ died for us. That means on our very worst day, on our very worst day, God loves us unconditionally. That is the truth we need to stand on. So we cannot let the lies and the accusations of the enemy turn us away from God, cause us to shrink back. Amen. I love that, that verse that Christ died for us while we're still enemies. Do you know that Christ died for every single person in this room? Because he loves every single person in this room so much. Not only does he love them from afar, but he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have intimacy with you. He wanted to remove every single barrier that separated you from him. So he revealed that love for you when he died on the cross. Amazing, eh? And all we have to do is say yes. The Bible says, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised, from the, raised him from the dead and you will be saved.